Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. This is episode number 38. Today's episode is brought to you by the Facebook algorithm. Well, sort of. The Facebook algorithm is always changing and has a really bad reputation among business owners. But when you get to know him, he's not so bad. Understanding the Facebook algorithm is the first step towards learning how to build a successful strategy on Facebook. Once you know how the algorithm works, you can download and implement my list of 10 tips for increasing your organic reach on Facebook. Head over to megbrunson.com slash reach to learn more. And now I'm excited to introduce today's guest. She holds a BA in broadcast journalism and an MBA in marketing. She's led the SEO and content marketing strategies for some of the largest e-commerce retailers, and her strategies have earned clients number one keyword rankings for thousands of competitive terms and millions in revenue from SEO and content. She's an experienced marketer with nearly 20 years experience, the president and founder of Etched Marketing, Rachel Lindhagen. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Meg. It's so good to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've been talking about this with you for about six months, so I'm glad we finally made it work. Me too. It's good to see you really taking off and having the podcast and everything starting to work and just do so much good for people. So I'm happy to be here and support you and be part of this. Awesome. Thank you. And I know you're going to drop a ton of knowledge for us business owners when it comes to SEO. But before we dive into that, I'd love if you gave us a little bit of a sneak peek into you. So where you started in the corporate world and then the transition into being self-employed. It's kind of an interesting story. I started out studying journalism in college, much to my father's chagrin. He was not okay with it at all. But as a headstrong teenager, I knew I was going to be a journalist. I was going to host the Today Show. I was going to take over the world. His requirement was that I took as many related courses in marketing and public relations as possible. Because in my father's eyes, I was going to be an amazing marketer. What 17-year-old kid wants your father to pick out what you do for your career? So I studied journalism, followed my dreams, paid attention to what my father said, and took my marketing and public relations courses, graduated, and found out he was right. I couldn't support myself as a journalist. Ended up landing a job in marketing. And dang it if I didn't love it. So I've been in marketing for about 20 years. I found the digital side and SEO starting 2004, 2005, kind of those wild west days of digital marketing. 
And as I found SEO, the reason I loved it was it was telling a story. So I fell in love with digital. I've worked in all sorts of marketing, special events, children's companies, franchise locations. And I spent the next six years in advertising agencies, one here in Phoenix that is the original, one of the original content marketing agencies that was very, very well known within the content marketing industry. And that's where I really, the first time I felt very much at home with my journalism training because everything was about content. And then in 2012, I was recruited by and joined a New York ad agency, worked with some huge clients. I led content strategies for Kirkland's home. I led content and SEO for the North Face, Um, worked on Burt's Bees, worked on Urban Decay, helping them figure out their content. During the last five years when I was with them, I did finish my master's degree. So I got my MBA. I got married. I had a baby. And by the time my son was 17 months, my company sold. The new investors came in and they looked at numbers. They didn't look at people because they didn't know people. And they cut a bunch of us. They split my job among three people, poured my heart and soul into a company, and then was unfortunately eliminated because in today's world, it happens. The higher you move, the more apt you are to be the one that they decide they can replace for less money. I started interviewing for jobs and looking for things. And I had several that looked very, very interesting. And as I started going through them and playing with the commute and the schedule and all of this, I realized. I was going to go back to having such limited time with my son. And I just wasn't willing to give up what we had reclaimed because I felt like I was a better mother. And I remember having dinner with my husband and he looks at me and he says, you don't want this job. You want the paycheck. And I looked at him and I said, I do. I want to feel like I'm contributing at my normal level again. And that night we decided that I was not going to pursue that particular role, even though it was going to immediately put me back to normal pay. So with his blessing in April of 2017, I chased my dream and took etched full time. And I'm really proud to say that a little over a year, I am trending to hit that six figure mark on my own. Like it's really close and it had its peaks and valleys. And I had a a little stretch where some things had finished and nothing else was new. And I was starting to wonder if it was all a fluke. And I was questioning, had I made the wrong choice? And I actually started looking on LinkedIn again to see, should I go look for a job? Because I don't have anything in the hopper right now. And am I making a big mistake? And am I risking my family's financial security and all of that? And then thankfully, everything picked up again. We have peaks and valleys as entrepreneurs, and we have to be prepared for them. (laughs) It's real easy when you're in a peak, but when you're in a valley, it can be really scary. And for me, it was really, really scary. And it was about three months. And then in a matter of a week, I signed two or three new clients and was like 97% completion to my first big business goal. It was amazing. Entrepreneurship is nuts. You just (laughs) have to deal with the fact that it's nuts. Working in the corporate world, there's peaks and valleys and all of that, but you don't wonder, am I going to get a paycheck? And I'm really happy to know right now, I can project out my paychecks through the end of the year. And I know how much I'm going to get every week. And that's like having a real job, but I get to work from home. So I don't have that commute anymore. I get to see my son every morning, which he's three. Some days that's good. Some days it's not. (laughs) Like 
I love him more than anything in the world, but you know, three can be tough some days. It sure can. (laughs) Now, can you share a little bit? I know that not all of our listeners are going to be in a position where you were in, where you've got two six-figure incomes, you know, and then you lose one. And while that's still, I don't want to undermine the devastation of that, of your, your income being cut in half, but I know that you started with a lifestyle that you couldn't really sustain even losing that six-figure income. So what are, what are some of your tips for people who are going through that process or who know that they want to leave their job but are nervous about reducing their household income? What, what worked for you? So the recommendation I give clients when we talk about creating content, I think the same thing can apply here. So when I talk to them about creating content and blogging, I talk to them about blogging once a week. And if they want to blog more than that, I want them to write those posts, but not publish them for 12 weeks to see if they can keep up with that cadence. So if somebody wants to quit their job and they want to become an entrepreneur, then they need to figure out what budget they need, what amount of money, and they need to save that. So cut yourself back. You know, this is my budget. This is what I think I'm going to be able to have. Cut yourself back to that. And for six months or a year or whatever it is, put everything extra in savings because then you're going to have a cushion. You're also going to find out if that number that you think you can earn or that you think you can live on is realistic. Work with it a couple months to make sure that what you think you need is really truly what you need and that you can cover it. If you find that you're dipping into your savings every month, then you probably need more than you think you need. And then you need to readjust your end goal. I think those are great tips. It totally makes sense. I'm not the best with savings either. So <laughs> so that's helpful for me. Oh, good. Now, of course, I want to talk about SEO stuff. Yeah. So you and I met in person about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the tips I've gotten from you have changed my website. So at the time I had just EIEIO marketing was my only one site. And then since then, I've launched MegBrunson.com, where I host this podcast, among other things. And now I have both. They both serve their own unique purpose. And I've implemented a lot of the things that you've taught me into those sites. And I can tell you, we're about 12 months or so into when I started making those initial changes and tweaks and implementing those things. And I'm seeing a difference. Yeah. I'd love to share some of those, especially some of those initial tips that we discussed a year ago. Not that I expect you to remember (laughs) quite you know, the exact conversation we had over burgers. (laughs) But I'd love to discuss some of those tips because I think, you know, SEO is such a powerful tool that many people aren't fully taking advantage of. And while the results aren't immediate, you're going to have a website, you might as well be doing it right because the results will come. Absolutely. So what are the, what are some of the first steps that you would recommend somebody take? So the first things that I look at, because they're the issues that most people face when they are trying to do it on their own, is that they're targeting the wrong keywords. And when I talk about that, it's generally that they're targeting the keyword that's too high at the top of the sales funnel. So the example I always give, because it's the easiest one for people to understand, is shoes. Shoes seems like an amazing keyword. And if I sell shoes, there's like a million visits a month. There's a million searches a month for the word shoes. Doesn't that seem like a great keyword? If I could only rank in position number one for shoes, my life would be made, right? 
it probably would be. Right. A million searches. And if you're in position one, we figure the average person in position number one gets 37% of the search, which means out of a million searches a month, 370 some thousand people would be coming to my website. Can you imagine if your website got 370,000 visits a month from just one keyword? No. (laughs) Life made, right? Except the consumer searching the word shoes doesn't know what they want. If they're searching shoes, how do I know if they're looking for shoes for themselves, their kid, their spouse? Are they looking for water shoes, running shoes, play shoes, tennis shoes, high heels? Maybe they're looking for stripper shoes. Maybe they're looking for boots, over-the-knee boots. Like, we don't know. So how do we know that what we're going to serve them on our page about shoes is going to be what they need? Because there's no information about the consumer intent. The other challenge with the word shoes is nobody like you or me is ever going to rank for the word shoes. You can try your hardest. You can do everything right. You're not going to rank because you are not as authoritative. And when I say authoritative, I'm talking about your domain authority. And your domain authority is why things are working for you now, Meg, because you've built your domain authority up. Your domain authority is how authoritative Google thinks your website is based on the backlinks and based on how much information, who is linking to you and why. So in the example of shoes, the websites that rank for shoes are like Nordstrom, Zappos, and Amazon. You are not as authoritative as any one of those sites. I don't care who you think you are or how amazing you think you are. I'm nowhere near as authoritative and I've done this for a career. I know what I'm doing. I can't rank for that word. None of us can. So we have to be more realistic about it. Million searches a month for shoes. Awesome. That's not going to happen. And it's okay because the person searching shoes doesn't know what they want anyway. Now we're going to go further down the sales funnel. Women's tennis shoes. Women's Asics tennis shoes. Women's Asics Gel Kayano tennis shoes. The person who's searching for a women's Asics Gel Kayano, there may only be 100 searches a month or 500 searches a month. That person knows exactly what they want. They know the brand, they know the gender, and they know the style name. You tell me what percent chance you think somebody is going to convert if they're using that type query. It's much, much higher. Your conversion percent is higher the further we go down the sales funnel. So while there's a lot less search demand, there's a lot more intention to convert. So if I rank position number one or two for women's ASICs gel Kayano, I have a much better chance. I can probably actually make more money off that page than I could if I ranked position number one for shoes, which is never going to happen. So that's the first thing is to better understand keyword selection and knowing that the word with the biggest search demand is not always the best option. In most instances, it is not the best option for you, especially as a small business owner. When you are a small business owner and you serve a local market, maybe you have a brick and mortar or maybe you're um, an online service provider, but in a local market, then you want to focus on local SEO. You want to make sure that you're optimizing yourself and your site for those local terms. So your city and your state, the two or three cities around you that you serve, because that's going to help you show up when people search local. And when people are looking for a provider, they look local. 
Um, verifying your Google My Business listing is a big one. Going in and setting up your Google My Business account and then verifying and optimizing it, making sure that you have your hours, you have a description that uses some of those important keywords, you have photos. Your photos have those keywords in them. Did you guys know that Google can read the file name of your image on your web page, your blog post, your Google My Business listing? If you put your keywords and your business name, you have a better chance of showing up in the search results. And the Google image search results will show those pictures. So if you're putting your name, your keyword, your business name, you're going to show up in Google My Business. Hey guys, it works the same way for YouTube. Like what works for Google often works for YouTube because they're the same company. And I'm going to say it how I've always said it to my my clients for years. Google hearts Google. So (laughs) just play nicely with Google. They're going to play nicely with YouTube. Well, you're talking about social media. I just have to bring up Google Plus. Oh God, don't bother. (laughs) You and I have talked about this and I still, I just saw this come up in a very popular social media Facebook group Mm -hmm. and people came out of the woodwork about how important Google Plus is for SEO. And I'd like to know if you're comfortable shedding some light on that. (laughs) So Google Plus is one of these things that it's like, does it matter? Doesn't it matter? Does it work for SEO? So 2012 to 2014, we told all of our clients, yes, you need to be on Google Plus. And they all said, why? And that's where we generally said, Google hearts Google. And the strategy recommendation was to just post exactly what you were posting on Facebook because we thought it impacted the algorithm. At one point, there was a question as to whether or not the plus ones on Google Plus actually impacted your keyword ranking. If you go back and search me on search engine land from 2012, 2013, I actually wrote a post about does this matter because we were trying to figure it out. The reality is nobody uses Google Plus, even Google employees. Like Google employees, I think, were the only people who ever used Google Plus. In today's world, and as a small business owner, you only have a finite amount of time, and there's only so much that you can do. And I don't think you're going to get benefit from Google+. I don't bother with it. I don't recommend it to my clients. Social media helps drive more people to our websites, but what impacts our rankings is the engagement on our site itself. It's not the social media information. And there's been a lot of research into this because you may or may not know Google's ranking algorithm is their secret sauce. So there are over 200 factors that go into it. They don't confirm them all. What they've told us is that the most important factors are your content and your authority. So those are the two things that I have my clients focus on more than anything else. Your content or your keywords, your blog posts, your title tags, your meta descriptions, your image optimization, everything there, all your on-page stuff, that all relates to your content. Your domain authority is all your off-page. So how you're getting all your posts and you're getting your links back to your site, that's why you're seeing the increases that you're seeing. And that's why people are finding you in searches because now your site is more authoritative. I remember when we looked at it the first time, you had a very low domain authority. And I said, okay, Meg, if you want this to work, this is what you need to do. And it's going to take 12 to 24 months because SEO and content is a 12 to 24 month approach. How long did it take? We're right around 12 now. And like I said, I can, I can see the effects. I'm getting the cold emails and I'm asking people, 
how did you find me? And they're saying Google. Yeah. And it's, it's 12 to 24 months. The thing that's amazing about it, once you do make those changes, so you get your keyword strategy right, you have unique title tags and meta descriptions that fall within best practices guidance on every page. The title tag best practice is to keep it under 60 characters, ideally 56. You also want to have your brand name and you want to have your most important keyword, your primary keyword. If you can include a call to action in there, write it in sentence format and include a call to action, we actually see an increase of up to 33% in the click-through rate when we use a call to action. The click-through rate impacts your keyword ranking because Google then sees how many people are clicking to go to that website. What you have to remember is Google knows everything about your websites because we all use Google Analytics. They have access to all of it. So all of this information goes into our rankings. The content that we create, if it resonates with our customers and our readers, it's going to rank better. So when somebody comes to your site and they read one post, maybe they find it as a Facebook post and they read it, and then you've used an internal link. So you know that this post is about Facebook ads. I'm going to go with your business for a minute. So Facebook ads, and you've got this initial post that got them, but then you link to two or three other posts that support that or have additional information they might be interested in, and they click on those. Google then knows that people are staying on your site longer because they're now engaged. So they're seeing that this site provides really quality content and the people are staying on the site longer. They're consuming more content. So the things that they look at from a user engagement standpoint are your time on site, your bounce rate, your number of pages, so that they really start to understand how much do people like what you're writing. So from a benchmark metric standpoint, you want your time on site to be more than a minute, ideally. Two to three is excellent. You want them to be more than a minute. You want your bounce rate to be under 60%. 40 to 50 is more target. If you're anything over 60, you need to address it. You can look at bounce rate by your entire site as a whole in Google Analytics. You can also see a bounce rate per page if you go into your content report. You want to see more than one page consumed per session because that tells you they're reading more content. So I like to see one and a half to two, like really get it. And it's hard to get it that high because not everybody's going to read more content. The other thing is new versus returning users. You want to make sure that people are coming back. So you want to track that and see 80-20 is usually pretty good. 70-30 is ideal, meaning that 20% of our users or 30% of our users are returning. They're coming back again. What that tells us is they're finding value. If you want to win at SEO and content, you need to provide value. You need to help answer your customers' questions. And the more helpful and authoritative Google sees you, the more people are coming to your site, they're spending time on your site, the higher you're going to rank as that authority. So the way it works, your domain authority increases. That means other people start linking to you. Your keyword ranking generally increases because now Google knows you're a more authoritative site. Your traffic starts to increase. That's where your leads start coming in. So that's exactly where you're at. Your domain authority was the first thing we addressed. Then we addressed your optimization so that we were targeting the right words. Now you're reaping the rewards of it. And the reason you're reaping the rewards of it is you take every piece of advice and everything we talk about and you implement it and you do it. And that's the difference. And that's the thing that I think so many small business owners are missing. 
there's so much information out there and they don't always know who to trust and who to listen to. And sometimes they get really bad information. And I have a couple clients where I'm cleaning up messes that other consultants created. So that's really my main motivation for my business is to teach small business owners how to do it the right way. Because I think everybody should have the chance to have their businesses succeed. We all want to have more leads, more sales, more clients, but we've got to do the work and we've got to do it the right way. SEO works if you know what you're doing and you do it the right way. And if you're sitting here wondering, what's the right way? And oh my gosh, is this right or is that right? Come follow my blog. Check out my website. Take my SEO course. I I, I created it for you. <laughs> like, and you guys, this is why I created it. And that's what I do. Like I do follow your blog and I, I do read the stuff and then I'll come back and I'll be, I'll ask you questions. Well, what about this? What about that? Um, I'm curious. I know you talked a lot about, and I'm probably going to get some of these things wrong, meta description and title tags and other important things that, that I try to do. Do you still recommend using Yoast? Like it's a plugin for WordPress. That's what I used. Yep. And for me, guys, it was like, it, it's like red light, green light. It tells you what needs to be changed, um, best practices. And it. I don't always get two green lights, <laughs> but I try to get close. And I know we talked about that. Yeah, we had that conversation. But I feel like that's a really easy starting point for people is to make sure that they've got that Yoast installed if they have a WordPress website. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with Yoast, guys, you don't have to pay for the pro version, premium, whatever it is. I still use the free version. Use the free version. The other thing that I remember talking about with you that blew your mind, because I remember you saying, I'm sure every page on your website has two green lights and everything. And I'm like, no, there are pages that don't matter. Like not every page is going to have a green light in Yoast and that's okay. So what you want to think about is which pages do you want to rank? Which pages are going to drive people to your site? Your contact page? Yeah, we want that to rank, but realistically, are you going to have a minimum of 300 words of copy on your contact contact page? Because if you don't have 300 words, you're not going to get that green light. Who cares? It's your contact page. Optimize the title tag and the meta description and move on. Put your focus onto your conversion pages, those that are going to bring traffic in and those that are going to make money for you. That's where you want to put your time and effort. Something that you can't get a green light because you don't have 300 words of copy. Okay, no big deal. Don't worry about it. It's red. Who cares? Move on. And I feel like I could go and talk about 800 other things, content calendars, how to know what to blog about. I mean, those were some of my big, my big issues, but I know you mentioned a course and I know we're running low on time. So I'd love to just give you an opportunity to share a little bit about your course, what people will learn from it, and then where, where they can get more information and find you. Absolutely. So right now, I'm still working on developing more courses for you guys. So the first one I created for you is SEO Fundamentals. And in this course, you learn what SEO is, because that's one of the first questions that I get from people is, what exactly is SEO? How does Google work? I don't know what this domain authority word you used is. I don't even know what that means or how I check it. So I break it all down from the very beginning. The first module is just terminology. Everything you need to know to start. 
Then we go through all the on-page. So we talk about your title tags and your meta descriptions, and we look at them and we see what do they look like in the code? What do they look like in Yoast? What do they look like in a search result? So that you really understand everything that you're doing. We talk about keyword research, and I walk you through the entire process, and I have a secrets program demonstration, and it's it's the process I've developed over the last 10 years, and it's everything that I do when I'm working with a client, and it's the first time I've ever trained on it like via video and shared it with people. Then I teach all about authority and how do we find opportunities. Do not ever buy links, no matter what somebody says. Don't buy them, you'll get yourself in trouble. We're going to talk about how you find those opportunities. I'm going to give you example emails that you can send out so that you can start to build those partnerships and start to pitch yourself. And we're going to talk about places like Harrow, which is a great help a reporter out. It's a great email to be part of, to have that opportunity to start to pitch yourself. I also teach how to come up with content topics how to use the different tools for SEO. So there's a ton of tools that we use as SEOs. A bunch of them are free. So I do a demonstration of each tool and how you use it and why you use it. And then finally, Google Analytics. Because if you don't understand the reporting, you're not going to know what's going on. So it's a really comprehensive course, but it's broken down. Everything is one lesson with a video there's worksheets. I'm trying to make this as easy as possible and basing it off all the trainings that I've done for years. Now, if you're curious, you want to learn more, my website is etchedmarketing.com. I have two sides to my business. Etched Marketing is my agency side, and that's where I take on clients and I do everything for them. Then I have the Marketing Academy side, and there's information there about the different programs. From there, you can get into the courses information. You'll see the SEO Fundamentals course. All of those things. I definitely recommend that if you don't have an SEO plan in place, a content marketing plan in place, that you start here. And like I've mentioned before, I went to school for criminal justice. It had nothing to do with marketing. And I've gotten to be really good at what I do, but it's also very niche down and very focused on Facebook. So when it came to like meta descriptions and title tags and keywords, and it was overwhelming and I just shut down. And I feel like you've been able to help break it down with the tools that you've shared. And I've participated in a couple webinars and workshops and read a lot of the blog. And so I definitely recommend that people check you out and implement things, you know, one step at a time, little by little. And by George, it works, you know? (laughs) You're proof that it works. Look at how far you've come in a year and how it has changed your business. There's so many people today who are very specialized. They're like you, Meg. They've got one area that they've really learned and they're great at. And you can teach people more about Facebook ads than I can. Heck, I call you when I have questions. When you started focusing on SEO, we talked about the fact 12 to 24 months, you will do work every day. You will be frustrated. You will not see results yet. You'll see a little bit and then it's going to go and it's going to take off. Now, are you really happy that you gave it that 12 months? Yeah. And I know that I still have a ways to go. Like I, but I know that I could still see crazy improvements over the next 12 months. And that's also exciting because it's like, oh, it's starting to work, but it's only just starting to work. So that's why I really wanted to have you on. I'm really glad that you shared some of your background too, because I love, you know, I came from a very different place. We were never six figure earners, but I, it's important to me that we, we show all sides of things. Like there may be other six figure 
parents out there who are thinking about leaving, but it's, it's scary. Like, how do you give up that level of stability? Why do you think I didn't choose to give it up? Like I wanted to do this for years, but yeah, it's scary to think about, can we really take that much money out of the budget? Like it's scary to take 10,000 out of the budget to take a hundred and some thousand. Right. It was terrifying. And I remember my heart sank the day I got laid off. Nobody wants to get laid off. Nobody wants to hear we don't need your job anymore. But it, the trade-off was the time with my family. And like we talked about, I can't give a whole lot of parenting guidance or how to do this while, you know, watching small kids because I don't, I, my son was in, he had a full-time nanny while I was working. He had just transitioned to a Montessori school. He's there during the day while I work. I take him to school. I pick him up. You know, I run to Costco on Tuesdays because it's not busy. And that way I don't have to do it with him on the weekend. And then brilliant. <laughs> I do. I, so my tips, because we, we did talk a little bit about, we might want to have some tips. My tips, some may work, some may not. Full-time childcare is a must for me, <laughs> but my little guy is three and I want to be able to be present with him. So I work while he's at school. If he's got weeks that school is closed, we have one week a year where the school is closed. I just plan on taking off that week. If there are holidays, the school is closed. I take off. I don't try to do both. I try to spend, I will work during his nap time. I'll work in the evenings or I'll work in the early mornings. But during the day when he's here, that's what I'm doing. So I go to Costco during the week. Um, Grocery pickup is my new favorite thing. I'm so lame and so over 40, like grocery pickup, but just being able to place your order on fries or whatever grocery stores in your area, place your order, pick it up at the store. They bring it to the car. They load it the whole bit. If I could get them to come to the house and put it away, that would be amazing. But (laughs) They have that in some in some cities. I know some cities have that. At, oh, when I lived in DC, they brought it. They carried it right into the kitchen. Like I put it away, but they brought the bags into the kitchen and set them down. And then I just had to put them away. It was amazing. That would be amazing. Like even now, it's not too bad because you go, especially Phoenix in the summer. All you do is go in, you call them on your phone, and they bring your food and they put it in the back of your car for you, which not bad. Um, we do have a housekeeper. We do have a yard service that way we're able to have more quality family time. But I understand that those are luxury items that a lot of families don't have. Um, I order a lot of stuff on Amazon Prime because it saves me from having to run to Target. I love Target. Who doesn't love their Target run? Especially a Target run without a kid. Well, a Target run with a kid gets triple the expense. Every time I bring my kids with me to the store, we come home with three times as many things. Well, and my challenge is my guy wants to explore. So my husband loves taking him to the store. I hate taking him to the store. Different parenting styles. I have a list. I want to get shit done. I want to go and check it off and get the groceries and leave. My husband's like, oh, it's kind of fun. I kind of, I like taking the kids and they can explore. They can help pick stuff. I'm like, it takes two times as long or 10 times as long. Yeah, but it's fun for, well, you take him to the store. I'm going to order online. (laughs) And both of those approaches is totally fine. They work for you. Exactly. Because if he's taken him to the store, that means I didn't have to go to the store. So I don't care. That's my other tip. If your husband, your spouse, your partner is willing to help, take their help. If they're willing to take over bath time so that you don't have to and you can get an extra hour to work, who cares how they do bath? Give up control. Doesn't matter. Long as the kid gets to bed on time, you just got an hour to yourself or to work. So those are kind of, that's kind of how I do it is just, yes, accept help. Delegate. And then find time. And for me, 
I want to be present with my son when he's here. So Mm -hmm. I don't try to do both. And I try not to play on my phone a lot and all of that. Like, I don't care if it means we're sitting on the couch watching Octonauts or we're racing, we're playing race cars. We've been playing a lot of lightning and cruise races in our house lately, (laughs) but spend that time. Try to get a few things done during the week if you can build in time, especially if you're working from home, you don't need to take a lunch hour. Go pick up your groceries, run the errands, take care of whatever it is, do the laundry, do the dishes. Those are the things that you have the the advantage of being able to do when you work for yourself that you can't do when you're in a corporate career. And that's what buys you the time on the weekend. We spend our weekends going to the kids' museum and the zoo and exploring and going on day trips and doing all sorts of fun things. The other thing is get your memberships because if you get your membership, then it feels like it's a free event anyway. It doesn't matter. It's like, oh, we already got the Kids Museum membership. We'll go. It's free. It doesn't cost us anything. This has been super helpful. I feel like we covered so much. I can't even recap it all. That's what show notes are for. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll list it all. And I love how much actual, like actionable tips you gave and stats you threw out. So I'm going to make sure to put those in the notes, highlight them so that they're easy to find, you know, so that you know what standards you should be aiming for, for your SEO and all those things. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us. So thank you so much. Happy to. I hope it helps. And if people have questions, just ask. Awesome. Thanks, Rachel. Bye. Have a good one. Wow. So much business advice, right? I'm sure you got from from all of my, my chatter throughout this episode, how much Rachel's advice has helped me. It's really made a huge difference over the last 12 months, and it can be difficult to make that kind of an investment in your business, because when you invest in your business, you want to see instant results, instant payoff. And unfortunately, that's just not how it works with Google. But I'll tell you, it's definitely worth it. I also really liked what Rachel said about outsourcing some of her housework. So... In business, I feel like we're often encouraged to outsource those things that aren't in our zone of genius, you know, but we don't often think of housework like that. I really like that Rachel mentioned that she has a house cleaner and she has a gardener because in her family, it just doesn't make sense for them to use their time and energy towards those tasks. It actually reminded me of episode number 31 with Becky Mollenkamp. And in that episode, Becky really breaks down how she approaches whether a tool is worth her investment by breaking down your hourly salary or hourly pay rate and determining whether it's worth it to outsource that task either to an automated program or to another person to complete And I think what Rachel's doing is just that, whether she's consciously thinking of it or not, she's evaluating how much her time is worth and whether it makes financial sense for her to clean her own house, which may take, what, four or five hours out of the week, or whether it makes more financial sense to just outsource that to somebody else who's going to do a more thorough job and allow her to spend that time on her business or with her family, doing things that are more valuable to her. So just a little food for thought there. Now, last week on the show, we met Samantha Barnes. She is committed to empowering kids' confidence in the kitchen and beyond. As a former middle school teacher and the founder and SEO of Radish, a monthly cooking club and curriculum for kids, she is passionate about food and family. Samantha is the mom to an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and believes that the kitchen is the best place to connect with her kids in a meaningful way. 
As a female founder, she is committed to running a results-oriented and flexible company built on autonomy, working smart, and work-life balance. Make sure you go back and give that episode a listen. Next week, we'll meet Mariana Ruiz. She is a certified business coach and consultant and an international best-selling author. She helps seasoned coaches and consultants scale their business by creating and launching six-figure group coaching programs. She uses her background in brain science, hospital administration, and 12 years of marketing sales and business experience to get results for clients at scale, marketing in a way that attracts ideal clients and converts followers to clients through service-based selling. She's been featured in various podcasts, blogs, and online courses, including the Huffington Post, Today.com, The Millionaire Insider Extravaganza, and she'll be here next week on Familypreneur. She's going to bring a ton of value. It's an episode you definitely don't want to miss. So subscribe to the podcast today so that you don't miss it. Have a great week, and I will see you here next week. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Did you know that my mom has a Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, and more? Her username is The Meg Brunson. Just about everywhere. You should go follow her.